All right, so there was an old boy, and he always used to fall asleep in church. And, uh, you know, the, the preacher started to notice it, and we'll call him Rick, just, you know, for the sake of realism in the story. And, and uh, the preacher started to notice him, and uh, every, every week he would just fall asleep during the sermon, and it was getting obvious. He was getting drool all over his Purdue shirt, and it was just, it was getting a little bit, it was getting a little bit obtrusive. And uh, so one day the preacher says, what am I going to do? And he comes up with a brilliant idea. He says, I'm going to post a deacon to sit in the row behind him. And whenever he falls asleep, he's just going to smack him with a little stick. And so sure enough, Rick falls asleep. As soon as the preacher gets up, and uh, Rick falls asleep, and the preacher gives the deacon behind him a little nod and just whacks Rick wakes up, and everything's fine, business as usual. He's going back on. A few minutes later, he notices fall asleep, and so the preacher just stops the sermon and says, hit him a little harder. So he goes, Rick wakes up, acts like nothing's wrong. A few minutes later, he falls asleep again. Well, the preacher's getting furious. He says, hit him hard. Boom. Well, the deacon was a strong man, and so he whacked him with that stick across the back of the head. Rick falls down into the aisle, almost knocks him out. But through his disoriented voice, you can hear him say, Hit me again, deacon. I can hear still, still hear him preaching. This is our last week in a sermon series in 1 Corinthians. There are a lot of things that I'd like to cover this week, but uh, I want to end this series the way Paul ends his letter. I just want to go over this, uh, this benediction. And as we do this, as we end this sermon series the way Paul ends his letter, I want to ask a simple question. What makes a church dynamic? What makes a church dynamic? And if we spent a few minutes thinking on the question, I bet we'd all have an answer, and I bet a lot of us would have a different answer. Some of you would say it's worship, and man, worship was good today, wasn't it? It was just good to praise God today. I feel like turkey is like worship fuel, okay? That was just awesome praising God with you guys today. Some of you would say it's worship. Some of you would say that it's preaching or youth activities. And if we developed a mental image of what we thought made a dynamic church, we'd probably say that it's a large one, and they do all of those things well. But none of those things are what make a church dynamic. None of those things are what make a church dynamic. Not the preaching, not the worship, not the youth, not the size of the church. Now, certainly, it's really helpful, isn't it, Rick, if you have a preacher that doesn't put you to sleep. That came a little too quickly, Bill. You're suspect, that's all I'm saying. I remember going to church once when I was in college, and, and I just... The preacher was a really good man. I, I only went there the one time. He's a good preacher. But there's just something about his voice. It was like horse tranquilizer. And you just listen to him. Yeah, his eyelids are getting kind of heavy. And, you know, he was just, he just was really mellow. But I'll tell you, that church had a lot of fantastic ministry going on in the city that it was a part of. Dynamic church is something else entirely. It's not tied to the preaching. It's not tied to the teaching or the youth ministry or the worship. A dynamic church is something else entirely. And as Paul closes this 
first letter to the church in Corinth, he paints a beautiful picture of what makes a dynamic church. So go ahead and open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I just want to read it to you, and then we'll look at what makes a dynamic church. Starting in verse 15, Paul says, You know that Stephanus and his household were the first of the harvest of believers in Greece. And they're spending their lives in service to God's people. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, to submit to them and others like them who serve with such devotion. I'm very glad that Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus have come here. They've been providing the help you weren't able to give me. They've been a wonderful encouragement to me as they've been to you. You must show your appreciation to all who serve so well churches here in the province of Asia send greetings in the Lord, as do Aquila and Priscilla and all others who gather in their home for church meetings. All the brothers and sisters here send greetings to you. Greet each other with a sacred kiss. Here's my greeting in my own handwriting from Paul. If anyone does not love the Lord, that person is cursed. Our Lord, come. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. My love to all of you. Christ Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to highlight five elements of a dynamic church that we find in this uh, benediction here. So first of all, dynamic churches lead people to Christ. Dynamic churches lead people to Christ. And I want you to take a look at verse 15. It says, you know that Stephanus and his household were the first of the harvest of the believers in Greece, and they're spending their lives in service to God's people. I love that, that Paul says Stephanus and his household were the first of the harvest. You know what that means? If he says they were the first, it means that there were more afterwards. I love that there were so many people in Corinth who became believers in Jesus. There were people who trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins and received the gift of the Holy Spirit. There were people who stood up and said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And there were many people in Corinth who were baptized. Stephanus and his household were just the first of those people. Stephanus was the first convert in Corinth. But there were people like Achaicus and Fortunatus that followed. And look at what Paul says about them. I'm very glad that Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus have come here. They've been providing the help that you weren't here to give me. They've been a wonderful encouragement to me as they have been to you. So dynamic churches are full of people who lead people to Christ full of people who lead people to Christ. When I started thinking about that, I was reminded of one of my closest friends. His name's Rich. I went to school with him, and in the evenings, he worked at Walmart, and, um, and Rich is just great. He, he has this mentality that wherever he goes, he's going to be making disciples, and so one night, Leah and I, we went over to his house. He was married already, and we went over to his wife and his and his wife's apartment, and we were going to have dinner with them and play some games, and uh, as we got to their apartment door, I looked down, and on the floor mat, there was a pair of old, grungy running shoes, and so I thought, what? that's interesting, uh, and I looked at them a little bit closer, and I realized that these were a brand new pair of running shoes that Rich had just bought. Right, he had done this test at a running shoe store and said, okay, these are the ones that are most compatible for you. You should buy these. They won't hurt your feet or give you shin splints. These are going to be good shoes for you. 
And so I was curious to see that these brand new shoes were sitting here caked in mud. They looked like Forrest Gump had been wearing them. Okay? And so I go inside, and uh, I, I just can't, and I'm so curious. I said, Rich, what's going on with these shoes? He said, oh, man, that's such a cool story. So I've been talking to my coworker about Jesus, and we've been reading the Bible together on our breaks. And tonight during our break, he said, hey, after work, would you please baptize me? And so that's what I did. I went down to the pond with him, and I baptized him. That's a neat story, isn't it? He just has this mentality where he makes disciples wherever he goes. It gets even better. That was six years ago. Three years ago, I went back to my school, and I did a leadership retreat for uh, some of the student leaders on campus. And that man that my friend Rich baptized was there. See, he didn't just get baptized. Rich discipled him to the point where this guy is now preparing for a career in ministry. I love that. My friend Rich, he works at a factory. He powder coats metal for a living. But wherever he goes, whatever he does, he will be a part of a dynamic church. Dynamic churches are full of people who lead people to Christ. Dynamic churches also serve people. Dynamic churches serve people. You know that Stephanus and his household were the first of the harvest of believers in Greece, and they're spending their lives in service to God's people. Leave that up there, and I just want to ask you guys a question. Do you see in the text where it says they're spending their lives? You see that up there? They're spending their lives. That's a pretty innocent-looking phrase in English. In Greek, those words would just jump off the page because here's what it literally means. They were addicted to serving. They were addicted to serving. Now, addiction gets a lot of press. People are addicted to all kinds of things that are bad for their bodies and bad for their souls. But Paul says that Stephanus is addicted to serving God's people. Roy Lauren calls this the most blessed addiction. And I got to thinking. I wondered, do I know any ministry addicts? Do I know anybody who's addicted to ministry? Turns out I do know a few. I do know a few. I want to tell you about some of them. This past summer, my friend Jim, my friend Jim Newland, uh, he went on a, a mission trip to Texas with Hoosier's help. And uh, it was a long week. They were working hard. It was hot, as it usually is in Texas during the summer. And one morning during breakfast, you know what he said? He looked at Christine and he said, where are we going next year? It's just something about serving. And once you get a taste of it, you want more. It's easy to get addicted to. I know some more people who are addicted to ministry. My friend Keith Hopewell is. Uh, he's a mentor in the Kids Hope program, and, and he mentored a kid last year. But that, that kid moved to another school, and he got a new mentee for this school year. But Keith wasn't satisfied to just say goodbye to his old student. So he called the principal at the new school and explained the program to him and worked out an arrangement with that principal and said, you know, I'd like to just come and spend that hour with my kid again. And so he does. He mentors his kid at West Washington, and then he goes over to Paoli and mentors another student. It's just something about serving people that once you get a taste, you need more. Or, or how about Sunday school? Brian and Misty Walker, they teach the two- and three-year-olds during Sunday school. And it, if you've seen a guy walking around with a fishbowl, that's, that's Brian. 
I don't know what they do with the fishbowl. I really don't. Um, but I do know this, that when Atticus sees Brian or Misty or Hannah or Haley, he says, bye, Dad, and he runs off with them. And I'm sure glad that the walkers are addicted to ministry. What about Rooted? If you go to Rooted on Sunday evening, I don't know what they're going to do every Sunday evening, but I know you're going to see Ryan Perry. I have no idea what he's going to be doing because he'll do anything that's necessary. And I know that Rooted wouldn't be the same without him. Or maybe Sam and Alicia Haley. I don't even need to explain that. It's just two people who are spending their lives in service to God's people. Yeah, I know some ministry addicts, and I'm awful glad I do. Some of you are going, well, I want to get addicted to ministry. Let me tell you about some of the things that we could really use help with right now. First of all, our We Worship program, it ministers to kids from birth all the way through first grade. They're a ton of fun. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, They could use some volunteers. If I didn't have to preach every Sunday, that's where I'd be. They are a barrel of monkeys. I love hearing them laugh. I love the lessons that they learn. And I love snack time. I'm just going to be transparent with you. Uh, If I didn't have to preach, that's where I'd be. I'd be in We Worship. I think that'd be a great place for you to get plugged in if you want to serve. If you're comfortable with technology, we could use some help in the sound room right now. These are the guys and gals that make sure the sound is right. They make sure that you can hear me. They make sure that you can't hear me too well, though. Okay? They make sure that all the instruments are just loud enough and that worship runs smoothly. They transition the slides. If you're comfortable with technology, we could use some help in the sound room. If you want to serve, I think that would be a great place to get plugged in. Maybe you're an extrovert. Okay? We've got all different kinds of things. You can be a greeter. We can ring the bell at Salvation Army. There's all different kinds of things for you to do there. Or you can get plugged in with Kids Hope. We can always use more mentors. Do you know that we have the most mentors that we've ever had? But we can still use more. There are so many kids that could use an hour of your time each week to just feel valued, valuable. Or what if you're an introvert? I got something for you. You ready, introverts? Listen up. I won't make you stand up. Don't worry. But if you are an introvert, we could desperately use your help with communion preparation in 2019. This is a sweet deal for you, introverts. Okay? You get to be an integral part of service, and you don't have to talk to anybody. Okay? How awesome is that? Okay? That is fantastic. So if you want to serve here, I think that would be a great place to get plugged in. Dynamic churches are full of people who serve people. And let's continue to be that kind of church together. So if you notice at the bottom of your blank page today, um, there is a kind of dotted line. If you saw anything that piqued your interest that you want to be involved with, if you'd like to serve in Kids Hope or Communion Preparation or the Sound Room or, or any of these different ministries that we've described today, why don't you just write your name and your phone number and then the ministry that you think you'd be interested in And as you leave, there's going to be a bucket on each side. Just drop it in there. There's not even going to be a person at the bucket, so you don't have to feel intimidated or anything, okay? I will take those cards and make sure they get to the right people because we want to be a church that's full of people who serve people, all right? Just fill that out. If you're intrigued by any of those ministry opportunities, today's the day to explore it a little bit more. All right, here's the next one. 
Not only do dynamic churches serve people, dynamic churches celebrate ministry. Dynamic churches celebrate ministry. Take a look at what Paul says. I'm very glad that Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus have come here. They've been providing the help that you weren't here to give me. They've been a wonderful encouragement to me as they have been to you. And show your appreciation to all of them who served so well. Paul's so glad for these three, Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus. He's rejoicing in their work. What's their work? They're refreshing people's spirits. They're encouraging them. They're doing ministry. And Paul takes time to celebrate that. Not only does Paul take time to celebrate that, he instructs us to celebrate that as well. And I think we should celebrate ministry. I think we should celebrate people like Chris and Gina who devote time every week to make sure the worship is as good as it was today. Do you guys think worship was good today? Amen. I think we should take time to celebrate people like John who lead worship. Okay, I think we should take time to celebrate people like our musicians and vocalists who come in early and practice hard. I think we should take time to celebrate the, the amazing things that are happening in We Worship that Stephen and Megan are doing. I think we should take time to celebrate people like Michelle Hamer who takes care of providing meals for people after they have a baby or have surgery or something going on in their life. I think we should take time to celebrate people like Lori Collins who heads up the ladies' prayer ministry, people like Ron Pennington who lead Young at Heart in Sunday School. I think we should celebrate people like Rose Mitchell who is in charge of ladies' aid. Patrick Burks, who's going to oversee Celebrate Recovery. John Trinkle, who organizes the groups of guys who go and bring wood to people who need it. Linda Pennington, who works at the food bank. Kathy Green and Luis Sammy, who work at the Center for Women's Ministry. Melinda Borden, who works at the Women's Shelter. And Donna Westner, who oversees Care Pregnancy Center. I think we should celebrate people like Dan and Chris, who do incredible ministry at Wonder Valley. And on and on it goes. I think we should celebrate people like Ben Carter who had the missions committee and the people who do the transportation committee and technology and make sure all of this incredible ministry happens on a weekly basis. All of this is incredible ministry. That means you are incredible ministers. You're incredible ministers. But I need you to understand something. As much ministry as we have here, and as excited as I am about the ministry that we have here, and as much as my heart overflows with the things that all of you are doing for the gospel, I need you to understand something that's very important to me. One thing that I will absolutely refuse to do is compete with another church. So we want the best for every church in our community. I believe Paul says the same thing. He says dynamic churches don't compete with other churches. That attitude comes from Paul. He says the churches here, churches, plural, and the province of Asia send greetings in the Lord, as do Aquila and Priscilla and all those who gather in their home for church meetings. Mount Tabor, is, we're not competing with another church. We're not competing with another church because we want the same thing. Do you know that we regularly pray for Westview and Southern Hills and Paoli and Orleans and Sugar Creek and Saltillo and Campbellsburg and New Beginnings Baptist and, and uh, First Baptist in town and, and so many of these different churches. 
We're not competing with any other church. We are working with them so that as many people as possible come to faith. It's not about Mount Tabor. It's not about me. It's not about Luke. It's not about the elders. It's not even about you. It is about Jesus. It's people believing that Jesus is the Christ. That's why our church's vision isn't to see our communities changed. Do you know that's not the vision? It's not to see our communities changed. Our vision is to see communities changed by Christ. By Christ. And we know that all of the other churches in our area want the same thing. And so I love them. And I hope you love them too. One of the core statements of the restoration movements is that we are Christians only, but we are not the only Christians. We believe that. It's how we feel here. So we want to be a church that cooperates with other churches, that celebrates the successes of other churches, and prays for other churches when they have downtimes. So we want to be a church that cooperates with other churches. Finally, i got one more thing for you. Most important, we'll start in verse 22. If anyone does not love the Lord, that person is cursed. Our Lord, come. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love to all of you in Christ Jesus. It is impossible to be a dynamic church if you don't love God. So that's the last one. Dynamic churches love God. They love God. It's impossible to be a dynamic church if you're not talking about God, if you're not talking about the relationship with God that Jesus has restored. And so let's contrast this a little bit. Dynamic churches are obsessed with God. They are just obsessed with God. Dying churches are obsessed with tradition. See, in a dynamic church, you can't help but hear about how much God loves you and how much it cost him to save us and redeem us. You can't help but hear about how Jesus has changed lives. You can't go a minute without hearing about God because dynamic churches are full of people who love him. I'm going to do one more story, and then I'll close with prayer. Three and a half years ago, we were looking for a youth minister, and uh, a curly-haired guy from Kansas came in and sat down for his interview, and he was doing pretty good. I stay quiet during the interviews. I only had one question for each of the candidates. I'd say, how do you feel about God? And I got all different kinds of answers. I got theological answers that were very detailed and, and, and very proper. I got some people who were surprised by the question and, and stumbled through it, but I asked it to every single one of them. When I asked that curly-haired guy from Kansas, how do you feel about God? He said, oh man, I just really love him. Those are the kind of people I want to work with. People like Luke who really love God. People like Leah who really love God and people like you who really love God. So what does it take to make a dynamic church? People. People who are devoted to God. And that's it. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful for you. We are in love with you. We thank you for who you are and for what you've done. We don't fully understand you, but we shouldn't be able to. You are higher than our comprehension. You are mightier than our understanding. You are holier than we can, than we can stand. And you love us 
And we praise you for that. We thank you for that. And we confess that we love you too. God, as your servants, as your children, we ask that you would do with us what you need to for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.